tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, we, we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Good morning, Swarm, and welcome to Tim Fall Hat. You know I am. You know I'm here to do. I'm here to rock. Joining me as always, Xavier Guerrero, and on the ones and twos, Jay Nice, Johnny Wooden. How are you guys? It's a good man. It's a good LA. LA's cr- a little, a little. I don't like the weather out here right now. Yeah, <laughs> you went from this is really good. You didn't no. even know what you were going to talk about. Yeah, no, I, don't like it. I like I, it. I, 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 I'm okay with it. I, it's nice to have a change. I get sick of sun, sun, uh, sun all day. Well, it's so funny because I was talking to Mark from my my uh, family thinks I'm crazy. And I was like, yeah, it's raining really bad. He's like, oh, is it raining really bad? Bro? <laughs> I'm like, sorry, bro. It has been raining a lot here for LA, though. I mean, they had the, what they call it a bomb cyclone. Isn't that a great name for a, a weather What's event? It, a, a bomb cyclone? A bomb cyclone. Yeah. A bomb cyclone. I don't even know what that is. It's a cyclone, like a, you know, spinning uh, weather system off the coast that is bringing like a, a tremendous amount of precipitation onto land and just hammering us for this week. A lot of flooding. Crazy, bomb cyclone. Bomb cyclone, guys. A uh, lot's going on. If you would like to see me live, go to samtriplee.com. I have some shows in store. Uh, the, uh, Los Angeles, I uh, have a, two murder shows uh, January 11th at the Comedy Store. 8 p.m. is the Comedy Chaos. The first show sold out. Second show, tickets still available. Comedy Chaos. We got Felipe Sparza, Matt Rife, uh, Rachel Wolfson. Oh, David Landau. He's going to be our guest on Wednesday. And then my boy, Eddie Bravo. We're going to have a huge show for you. Grab your tickets now. Then Batavia, I'm here this weekend. That's right. This Thursday through Saturday, come see me and all the gay Jews you can handle. That's right. We have Andrew Rafi and Zane Halberg live with me so if you love gays jews and comedy come on down to the comedy ball down in batavia illinois and then phoenix we're gonna i'm gonna be phoenix the following weekend next weekend and that's january 29th through the 21st house of comedy and then at the end of the month tinfoil hat comedy and swarm take rides again long beach and then bakersfield come Get weird. Grab your tickets at both of those. We're doing uh, Harvell's again in Long Beach. And then we're doing Bakersfield at the Wells. Two shows. Murder, murder was the case that they gave to me. Let's do it. Uh, anything else, boys? Nope. That's it. That's Go it. to samtribute.com for all your needs, all our affiliate program. Get discounts on the best stuff you can. Enjoy the episode with Lila Hart. We go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. All right, guys, let's get into it. This is a, a show that we've been wanting to do for a while. We finally made it happen. Uh, this is my friend, 
we were uh, we were in L.A. together, and she fled with all the other outlaws. And uh, she's been doing some amazing things. She has two movies out right now. Uh, the first one that got her a lot of love was American History of, of Voter Fraud. Is that it, correct? And then the second one, her new one's World Death Organization. Please welcome Lila Hart. How are you, Lila? I am so excited to be on this podcast. Thank you guys so much for having me. Lila, I love you. I, I just love everything about you. I love your story. I just love... Just like how you've just like taken control of your life and built your brand and just like it's so wonderful to watch. And you're such a an example of being basically like, a, you know, an American success story. You know, you created your own brand and here you are and you're getting all this love. And I see you with all these amazing people at all these amazing events and I couldn't be happier for you. Oh, thank you so much. That really uh, means a lot. It has definitely been an incredible journey to get this far. So, well, you're doing great. For our listeners who may not be familiar with you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where they can find you? Okay. Well, um, I'm Lila Hart. You guys can find me at lilahart.com. Um, I started stand-up in Los Angeles in 2016. It's really crazy that we're here in 2023 because I graduated college 10 years ago in 2013, um, so it's pretty wild. But my degree is from Washington State University. I have a, a degree in broadcast journalism with a minor in political science. It was always my dream to be a news broadcaster because sitting behind a news desk like this, uh, people would have no idea that I am only four foot six. I stand at four foot six and that I was actually born with a congenital birth defect called spina bifida. And for those of you that don't know, that is like being born with a spinal cord injury. So when my mom was pregnant with me, um, my parents had no idea that I was going to have this disability. And I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii at um, a military base up there, which thank God that I was born on that base because they had fantastic surgeons who were able to perform these operations on me. Um, when I was born, they told my parents that I would never be able to walk that I would have a learning disability and that, you know, a whole plethora of things would happen that I probably wouldn't live past at the age of 13. So I had uh, over 12 surgeries and um, my dad served 20 years in the military. And he tells a story about when I was about a year old, I was going to have this surgery where they were going to close up the hole in my back and, you know, hope for the best if I'd be able to walk. And he was really nervous about it, but he went into to meet the surgeon and he saw on the surgeon's wall, it said, winning only matters in war and in surgery. And when he saw that, he knew that this was going to be the best surgeon for it and everything would be okay. So by the grace of God, it truly is a miracle that I am able to walk. And uh, for that, I am so grateful. But um, I got into stand-up. It was never my plan to become a stand-up comedian. Like I said, I wanted to be a newscaster, you know, because um, growing up, I didn't like the word disabled. In fact, I really shunned away from that. I didn't want to be labeled as disabled, you know, like that was like a bad term growing up, right? So I went to Washington State University and um, it's okay. Should I just keep going with the story? Yeah, okay. I mean, I'm lost. I mean, <laughs> okay. So um, I went to Washington State University and 
like I said, I went um, my degrees in broadcast journalism, but all I wanted to do was be part of a sorority, right? So I did the whole Greek sorority rushing. And um, at the end of the week, none of the sorority houses wanted me in their house. And um, I always had this feeling that it had to do with my disability, right? Because I was a 4.0 student. I was very much involved in things. And my senior year at Wazio, this drunk girl comes up to me and she's crying and she's filled with all this guilt. And she tells me, um, Lila, none of the houses wanted you because we didn't want to be known as a house with a crippled girl. Okay, so you have to imagine this is 10 years ago. So about two years later, I'm at my first, you know, desk job in San Diego. um, And I saw this uh, article pop up on Good Morning America. A sorority is being celebrated for welcoming a girl with Down syndrome in their sorority. Well, two years prior, I was too crippled to be part of a sorority. Right. So um, I started comedy in 2016 because I realized that the only way that I was ever going to be able to find love and, you know, to get married and find my person is if I could come to terms and to accept myself. So the first time I went on stage and I made a joke and I talked about having spina bifida, it was so liberating. You know, I could go up on stage. I could answer all the questions people had when they looked at me. And then when I got off stage, people would respect me. You know, and that's what I love about comedy. Comedy is just so amazing and beautiful because we share these stories, right? We we share our pains. And a lot of times we're like, wow, that's so hilarious. But for me, like a lot of my comedy comes from a place, place of pain. But now I've just, people just see everything as it is now. And I've been so blessed and lucky because I, I met my husband doing stand-up. The first time uh, he saw me, I was actually on stage. We were both at the same open mic. And he's also a stand-up comedian, so... I love it. I love it. And I, I'm going through this he uh this real like roller coaster of emotions because you know it's like I have kids now and like I just think about like what your parents like the decisions they had to make and like that had to be really hard on them. And and like I kind of think about my stand-up comedy right now and like I'm very dark and I'm very uh edgy, like and you know, hearing your story, just like, I wonder why I'm like that. And I, I was thinking about it the other day about my father has uh, epilepsy. And I watched him have like a thousand seizures, man. And it like really affected me, like really hard. It was really hard. And uh, it hardened me, man, like really bad. And so I, I make jokes sometimes that just... That's where my brain goes. It's really hard. And like when I hear your story, I just wonder if like things that I've said bring pain to other people, you know, and it's just hard. It's really hard. And to the point where I wonder if like stand-up comedy is something I want to do forever because I just don't really even know if I can do it the other way because I, that's just my wiring, you know. And I think a lot about that. Like, like my dad used to have seizures and um, the, the ambulances would come and they would be dealing with my dad and I would just be like numb to it. And I would just like, I'd be watching television to the point that like one of the, like the, the uh, ambulance driver was like, dude, we're trying to help your dad here. And I was like, Oh my bad. Let me get out of your way while I'm watching TV. And it was like, it was just kind of crazy, man. So when I heard the story about what those people did, you that, that, 
I wonder if I was ever that person. And I wasn't really trying to be mean. I just would get, I get, you know, I just did this show. I have another show called Zero, and um, it's a, a spiritual podcast. And as I go through this spiritual journey, I had this woman, I'm going to get her on this show, but we're talking a lot about childhood trauma and like the dealing of childhood trauma and like how it fucks with people, man. And it's yeah, like, yeah. if you don't deal with that stuff, like what it goes through and like here, like here I am, like just kind of realizing that like my dad's like medical situation, like really hardened me, man, mm-hmm. really fuck with me, man. And like my brother used to make fun of it because um, I'm not going to say what it is. But my dad had certain things where I knew he was getting it. He was about to have a seizure. And, like, my brother would make jokes about it. And I would just beat the shit out of him, man. Just, like, beat the shit out of my brother. And it was, like, really freaking traumatizing, man. And so for you to get up there and do that is, like, bravo to you, man. And I know that, you know, comedy is so brutal. It's just so brutal. And And I don't know if that's necessary, I don't know if that will ever change, but like to see all the stuff that you're doing is like truly inspiring, man. And it's like, I just think of all the people out there that really don't, um, that just bitch and moan about everything and really don't have the hurdles that people like you had to go through it. And it's just, it's, it's like sad, man. So uh, kudos to you and everything you've done. I think it's really amazing. I just I want I want you to know though that comedy is healing and I I'll say this like don't ever feel bad for what you say on stage okay comedy is a place of freedom of speech and we should speak whatever it is that's how we that's how we connect and it's like that's how we work through stuff I'll, I'll tell you this the first I remember two weeks before I started comedy I went to a show I watched Adam Ray perform and he was on stage and he made a joke about his midget friend right his midget friend he was talking about Brad Williams and I remember this is two weeks before I became a comedian I remember sitting there feeling like squirmish in my seat. You know, he's talking about this midget guy and I'm feeling really uncomfortable. Like I'm feeling upset. I'm like, oh my God, everyone's going to look at me and they're going to think I'm the midget he's talking about, even though he clearly wasn't. (laughs) After the show, my friend tells me, she's like, you should go up to him and you need to tell him that that was really offensive. And I go, no, no, because there's something within me that I need to work on that made me feel that way. It has nothing to do with him. And two weeks later, I become a stand-up comedian, right? So- my first six months into doing comedy, going to all these shows, I'm feeling great. And I get asked to be on an episode of Little Women LA. And I don't know if you guys heard of Little Women LA um, before, but it was a reality TV show. And it was a group of women who were like four, six and under. And I used to watch them in college. And I remember being like so inspired by them. They were on the show. And now, wow, look at here, like five years later, they're asking me to do comedy for these women. And I had my own, you know, jokes where I said the word midget, I call myself the baddest midget bitch and all this stuff. Right. And I remember right before I was going to go perform in front of these women, I remember thinking like, Lila, are you going to say the word midget on stage? Are you going to say these jokes? It might be offensive. And I thought, hell yeah, I am. Because number one, it's funny. And number two, I believe in these jokes. So I'm going to do this comedy in front of them. And it, it, that's how I feel like if, if a joke is offensive, you should be able to say it in front of the people who would offend the most. That's how you know it's a good joke. So I did my comedy in front of them. And after the show, they had me meet the ladies and this is all being filmed and I'm so excited. I go out and I'm like, thank you guys so much for coming to the show. And they sit me down and they're like, so you use the M word in your standup. 
you know, <laughs> you use the M word and they are giving me flack for saying the word midget. And I go, here's the thing. I am not saying this to hurt your feelings. I'm saying that this because this is a word that used to hurt my feelings. And by saying it on stage, by, by using this word, I'm healing something within me. And I'm not doing this to hurt you. And I remember this was in 2016. So this was kind of like my first taste of like the woke culture. And, and I'm like, wow, I'm, I am being told I can't use this in my standup. And um, I didn't apologize to the ladies. I didn't apologize to them at all. I was like, that's, that's you. I, and again, I didn't do this to hurt your feelings. I did it because I'm healing myself. I'm healing myself in my own standup, you know? So, um, so again, I don't, I want you to, under, I want you to know that your comedy and what you do up there, you don't have to feel bad about it. You are, it's, it's comedy is an art form. It's a craft and people need to understand that. And I, myself as a disabled female comedian have been told by other disabled people that I'm offensive, but it's like, this is, it's not about that. It's about me expressing and you know it's just like how, how you expressing and kind of working through some of this painful stuff and we get to do it on stage and how freaking cool is that yeah i appreciate right. that because i i'm not i don't believe in political correctness and mm -hmm. i never go on stage to say stuff that's mean to people ah mm -hmm. uh, but you know when i heard what they said to you like that just makes me sad that yeah. just makes me sad and i'm bad pity but it just it's I don't know, man. It's just like, I don't know, man. Maybe this new place I am as a person, you know, uh, that there's a, like, yeah, there's a definitely a battle going on inside me. I don't, I, I have zero, you know, like I'm Armenian, right? My grandfather fled Armenia uh, because his whole family got slaughtered in front of him. And I go to comedy clubs and I hear people just rip Armenians all the time and I don't ever get offended by it. it I just don't think that the two in any way you know, equal each other or that somehow if this happens, people making fun of Armenians, this is going to happen. People are going to kill Armenians. I just don't really do that. And then I ask myself, am I like doing jokes just to be edgy? And I know that answer is no. I don't ever say anything just to be edgy. I like to discuss the world that's going around on me. But so I appreciate that. And because you told me green light, I'm going to keep going. Thank you. So, <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. Yeah, Tripoli <laughs> cries once in a while. I cry. I'm a crier. I'm allowed to cry, okay? I'm a drug-addicted, sex-addicted, alcoholic crier once in a while. So thank you. So I, wait, um, I got to ask you a question. Have your parents seen you do stand-up? Because you're pretty, like, you do some crazy shit. You talk about your stuff on there. And do they, are they proud about it? Do they look at it like, oh, whoa, we never thought she'd go out there and tell them everything? Well, um, my parents are definitely proud of it. My mom's my number one fan, definitely. She's at Esper Heart on Instagram. And if you read through the comments, anybody that comments, my mom's like, thank you so much. Thank you. So <laughs> they they love that I do it. And like I said, it's been such a it's been such a healing thing for me. I remember um standing at the Hollywood improv in like 2016. Like I said, the first year I started stand up and thinking like Oh my God, I'm so grateful I'm disabled. I'm so grateful I went through all of that because I love comedy so much. I love stand-up so much. I would not be a stand-up comedian had I not gone through all that shit in my life. So I'm really at a place of peace and acceptance. Um, 
with my disability. And the thing that I think is so crazy is that I was born disabled. Okay. I was born disabled. And if you live long enough, like everyone is going to experience disability in some way, shape or form. So I just happened to be here from the stars, you know? So I, I say that's that I say that about uh, censorship as well. Like people don't care about censorship until it happens to them, just like disability. People don't think about it until you're the person who can't get in the building. You know, so it's I'm now being in my 30s and uh, just be I, I'm really at this place of really just peace with it. I wouldn't I wouldn't wish disability on my worst enemy, but I also wouldn't change it about myself. I love that. You know, I recently had a gentleman in a wheelchair come at me in my DMs and I, I'm going to talk about some of my other podcasts, but I'll give the the, the drier version here. But. I saw him on the street and he was talking to some woman and uh, I didn't want to bother him. So I just kept walking. If he was just sitting there, I would came up and said hello. But he had this blonde with large chi-chis <laughs> right on him. And I'm like, I don't want to cock block this dude, man. Like this might be go time for him. You know, so <laughs> the next day he's in my DMs and he's like just going off on me and he's like you're a fucking cokehead and i'm like well i'd rather be a cokehead than a cripple and i felt bad about saying that you know i normally wouldn't say that but he was like coming at me really hard and i don't know why i guess my feelings were kind of hurt because i really kind of was really rooting for this guy when i'd watch him on stage and stuff like that and yeah. it was just like a brutal fucking thing dude I, and it's just like i didn't enjoy it I didn't enjoy it, but I, I felt like my back was against the wall because all these woke people in Hollywood have been really coming at me for defending my friends, you know, and re regardless of what they think of th those people, I defend my friends. I always defend my friends and I always stay in the pocket and, and I feel bad. I wish I hope to see that guy someday so we could have a conversation face to face. He really got mad at me because I think St. Paddy's Day is about celebrating the genocide of Irish people. I'm like, he took it really. He's like, you're lying about St. Paddy's Day. I'm like, I didn't know anyone's that passionate about St. Paddy's Day. I thought it was just. Yeah. Yeah. Who, whose cause is that? St. Patrick's Day. That's so strange. <laughs> it's such a weird thing, man. But so you. You've gone uh, on this journey. And so, you know, we have to get into why you left L.A. Yeah. Um, you were like many people that kind of couldn't take what was happening in the city. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's really crazy because as soon as 2020 happened, um, I watched my friends kind of just warp into the like the psyop. Right. And. I remember the first time I wore a mask, I was the only person at Costco wearing a mask. And if the, the people forget, there was a time when they told us, hey, donate all of your masks to the hospitals and give away your masks and make masks and give them to people. And I remember being the only person in Costco with the mask on. And because it was very scary when this whole first thing came out, right? And then when they lifted the mandates or, or not even lifted the mandates, when I started to not wear the mask around, it's like people would be very upset, give me dirty looks. But I was just like, I'm so done doing this. And the only time I would actually wear the mask is when I was around, you know, some of my woke friends at the time. And I just didn't want to cause a fight or be questioned. And I felt like 
I was really starting to be like Anne Frank with my thoughts, you know, like I couldn't <laughs> um, speak about anything. You couldn't talk, you couldn't have a discussion. And for a while, I was getting away with, well, Lila has a medical exemption. So Lila, you know, it's okay, but everybody else needs to get vaccinated. But, you know, but Lila, you know, and then um, the breaking point for me was um, I was in Starbucks with one of my my girlfriends who I would always wear my mask around her because I didn't want, you know, she was really falling into all that stuff. And we were in Starbucks and I had, I was just, I'm done. I'm done. This was like in July. I was like, I'm so done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. So I took off my mask and I ordered my drink and the barista accepts my order. Everything is going fine. And we're waiting for the drink. And uh, the lady who's making the drink looks at me and she's like, you need to put on your mask. And I'm like, no, I don't just make the drink. And she was like, um, you need to put on your mask. And I go, would you rather I get my money back because I'm not putting the mask on. She's like, yeah, you can get your money back. So here I am, no mask, going back to the front, getting my money back. There's a guy who walks in. He's like a six foot two man. He doesn't have a mask. So as the girl is giving me my money back, she's accepting this guy's order who doesn't have a mask. And I look at her and I go, so are we just picking and choosing who we're picking on here because he doesn't have a mask on and you guys aren't getting upset with him? She looks at this man and goes, sir, could you put on your mask? And this guy looks at me and puts his mask on. And I go, are you serious? So that's when I kind of like break out into this like speech of like, how long are we going to do this? People are staring at me. This guy with two masks, double masks, comes to me straight to my face. It's like, you're the reason that people are dying. You're out here killing people because you don't want to put on the mask. And I'm like, I'm not doing oh this God. anymore. And another man with the mask was like, you know, I run a business and this is a business and we need to respect the businesses and we need to wear these masks. I'm like, no, we don't. We don't need to do this anymore. And I remember um, as I was leaving with my friend, she had her mask on the whole time. We're in the parking lot. She's like staring at me. And she's like, what the fuck was that, Lila? And I, ha I was like confessing like, oh, my God, I'm just so done with this. And I knew from that moment our friendship had changed a little bit, you know. And, I, and then I told her, I was like, okay, I still want to get my coffee. We're going to go somewhere else. And we, you know, I went into another place with no mask and I was able to get my coffee. But I was like, I can't. I just can't do this anymore. Hey guys, real quick, I want to tell you about our friend James McMahon at Copy My Crypto. That's right. Guys, we've seen many people make ridiculous money from crypto, but did you know it's easy for you to do the same? That's right. The Copy My Crypto membership site shows you the coins that YouTuber James McMahon personally holds and allows you to copy them. It's like having a big brother who knows what he's doing. You don't need to know a thing about crypto or how to invest as you simply just do what he does. So let me tell you more about James. He runs the Crypto with James YouTube channel, which despite heavy censorship, has more than 26,000 subscribers. Since March of 2020, he's told viewers to buy 26 crypto coins. Had you put in $100 to each, it would now be worth more than $123,000. Of those 26 coins, his top pick of the year, a coin called Phantom, went up more than 692 times from when he said it. That one call alone has retired a number of people, including guys in their 20s and 30s. Remember, this is all public knowledge. You can go to YouTube and verify it for yourself. So if you'd like to join the 2,800 members who copy james then stop what you're doing right now and head over to copymycrypto.com slash tfh okay that's copymycrypto.com 
forward slash TFH. That's TFH. You'll not only find proof of everything I've said, but my listeners get a full access for just a buck. Once again, that's copymycrypto.com slash TFH. The recession is here, guys. You can suffer like everyone else or choose to thrive. James is the real deal. Go visit his site now. All right, everybody, I want to tell you about our friends at HelloFresh. I love that we're working with HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? Well, with HelloFresh, you get farm fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Listen, when the pandemic hit before, I was all about meal meal deals, okay? These these meal kits. The, the HelloFresh saved my life, man. I love it. It's simple. It's easy, especially if you're not the best at cooking. They make it really simple, okay? You got New Year's goals, okay? And HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Skip the grocery store and take control of your time and your budget with this delicious recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh's Festive Fair collection features limited time recipes made with seasonal produce and premium proteins. Get out of the post-holiday slump with these elevated winter classics. So here's what we want to do, man. As you know, I love this stuff. I'm not the best cook in the world, and they make it fun, fresh, easy, okay? And for people like me that don't have a lot of time, this is the best way. And you actually learn how to cook. I'm going to be honest with you. You learn how to cook. It's a great way. So uh, it's really easy. So this is what I want you to do. Go to HelloFresh.com slash TINFOIL22. Use the code TINFOIL22 for 22 free meals plus free shipping. Crazy. That's HelloFresh.com slash TINFOIL22. Use the promo code TINFOIL22. That is nuts. Guys. You get 22 free meals. What is this? Crazy time? It is. You can get crazy time with 22 free meals with plus free shipping. That's the jam right there. That's the blessing. Thank you, HelloFresh, for uh, sponsoring Tim Fall Hat. Thank you, HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So you had a real effect on me because I remember you talking about people who were using fake vax cards oh yeah and how you were like i get it but you're 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 allowing the system to continue is that uh, what what exactly did you say okay so um let me i'll get into that how that even came about so august 29th i performed at the ford amphitheater in front of 800 people was my biggest show today i was the only unvaccinated performer on the lineup and they made me take like this $200 COVID test, which I was not even compensated for. Okay. And then I had to get my medical exemption paperwork with me. And I went into the show because I, it was the only time during the whole pandemic that I got tested for COVID because I really wanted to do this show is such a great opportunity. And, you know, so I did the show and three days later, I thought, okay, I have a negative COVID test. I've got, um, 
uh, my medical exemption paperwork. Let me go to the comedy store. Let me go to the comedy store. Let me go see people and hang out. And also, I just performed at this theater. You know, it should be easy peasy. So I go to the comedy store and I'm in line and the bouncer that's standing there is like, oh, you have your COVID vaccine card. And I was like, no, but I got a negative COVID test and I got my medical exemption. And he's like, well, I don't think we're going to be able to let you in. So I was like, okay, we'll get one of the managers because I know everybody here. So they bring the manager out. And first of all, it takes them like 30 minutes to go find somebody, but whatever. So they come out and they're like, Lila, um, we can't let you in tonight. But what we can do is we can take this paperwork, we can scan it, we can send it to our lawyers. And then in three days, you can come back into the comedy store. And I'm like, first of all, this vaccine is supposedly to protect people like me, the disabled, right? Yet now I'm a disabled woman with a medical exemption. You guys won't let me into the comedy club. And so they're like, yeah, there's nothing we can do. And he leaves, the manager leaves. And then the guy, the bouncer says to me, Lila, you should have just showed me a fake vaccine card like everybody else. And I would have let you in. And at that moment, I realized I was like, oh, so you guys all know this is bullshit. <laughs> You guys all know that this doesn't work and you're just going along with it. And how horrible is this that you are promoting this to your fans who look up to you? And so I posted this video where I basically called out the comedy store and it kind of. Was the improv or any of the laugh factories allowing you in? No. So because of the at that point, I was like, I'm going to get the hell out of here. You know, if the the uh, if the comedy store is not letting me in, I'm not doing this anymore. And so I made this video. And what really broke my heart was so many people commented, like a bunch of disabled people commented on there, too, that like, oh, I never wanted to get the vaccine, but I wanted to watch this performer. Or I wanted to watch this person. And that's the reason I did it. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, these people who you're coming to watch, they themselves didn't even get the freaking <laughs> vaccine so this is bullshit so i posted that video and chrissy mayer was one of the first comedians to reach out to me and she had me on her podcast which that's how we actually met was because of this and what i thought was so amazing was um a few months prior i had saw a tweet that chrissy mayer posted about she was not going to perform at any comedy clubs that required the vaccine. And I remember thinking like, wow, she is so brave to like put that out there. And then for her to reach out to me and have me on her podcast was really cool. So that's how I was, I got connected with her. Well, you, I just you say one thing, sorry, really quickly. The one, one thing that's really eroded in this whole, in this whole pandemic that's kind of been put on the back burner is this idea of medical privacy. You know, I mean, it used to be nobody would ever ask you if you had had a shot or a test. You know, I mean, that was a standard. That was just a standard thing. You know, we didn't we don't ask each other about, uh, you know, what kind of medical decisions we've made in our personal lives. And now, I mean, I think I think they've really broken a seal with that. That is going to be important in the future. I don't know quite how, but I, I think in the future, that's going to be really important that people I'm are comfortable now sharing that kind of information. Yeah, well, I think I think maybe that's part of this whole uh, you know, uh I you know, digital ID thing. Like are you okay yeah. with everybody knowing everything that's going on with you and I I I I am not. Now, you you did affect me. I stopped performing in LA uh for a long time. I was on my buddy's show and I called him up and I go, "Hey man, I I've decided not to do shows." If they're asking them for medical cards and I go up, uh, that's really hypocritical of me. And he just begged me, begged me, please just go up. So I did last night and I stopped forever until they stopped doing the um, 
the um, checking for cards, which I thought was a big thing. But you really did like affect me on that. And I really felt like it's like you're totally right. Like I thought it was hilarious to have a fake vaccine card. But I also felt like, you know, people like you, you know, were willing to like take a stand and like not play the charade of bullshit that, you know, people like me who are trying to get out all this information forever should do that as well. When we go on the road, you know, I still get crap about this. I've never performed anywhere where they made you see have a vax card. Now, I do understand that a lot of these places that I went to have to play the game of like on their website, they would be like, oh, we need vaccination. But they told me if people showed up, they weren't going to okay. check check them. And they didn't. Uh, it is a weird thing business wise. But uh, uh, because... This is the first time we, I mean, this was a full on fascist like attack on capitalism or whatever capitalism we had in this country. Like they were going after people and we had comedians like Ben Glebe, who's a friend of mine, but that guy showed up and did a video about the restaurant guy that, um, that wouldn't check for masks and wouldn't check for uh vaccine cards and he went and did it like a, some gotcha interview on him and i'm like what are you doing man like this is not what we as entertainers have done we're not supposed to be pro state we're not supposed to help the state yeah. to to do these ridiculous like attacks on our freedom man you are eroding our freedoms but people were 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 okay with it and even till today with this with this um this uh uh Buffalo Bills guy. I got like Skylar Stone trying to tee off on me on Twitter uh about like, oh, it's this this hit. It was the hit. I go, well, I mean, you don't know that. You don't know that. But yet here you are walking into this argument right now. Like, I haven't been talking about this stuff for two years about what's <laughs> going on. Like, it's like, I, I get it. I don't have a degree, but I've been studying this stuff. I've had people who do have degrees telling me, like, I'll show you. And I sent to everybody the, the, the uh, document where the FDA says the CDC never isolated the COVID variant to make the test. What are we testing for? And then, so it's like, it's, it's super interesting, man. It's like super interesting. Uh, the, just how people reacted. So kudos to you for doing that. So, you got out of LA, you mm -hmm. moved to, what was it Dallas or Austin? Dallas. So I moved to Dallas and this, it, it was pretty crazy because I get here two weeks and, and within two weeks, um, uh, Chrissy Mayer was performing at Hyena's Comedy Club. And she asked me and she was like, well, she asked me why, well, let me tell you what happened to me. We originally bought this house in Lake Worth and Oh man, they lied on the seller's disclosure. So there was like mold, termites, um, uh, one room with 36 outlets. And I'm like, oh my God, me and my fiance, I'm like, what have we done? And so we have to move into a Motel 6 for about seven weeks while we're desperately looking for a place to live here in Dallas, okay? So I'm living in the Motel 6. I get a call from Chrissy and she's like, hey, I'm headlining hyenas. Do you want to come feature for me? And at that time I was like, I'm feeling like shit, but you know what? I really need to get on stage. That'll be great. So I go out there and uh, in the audience was Elijah Schaefer, Sydney Watson, uh, my friend Brittany Venti, and they were watching the show and they uh, were working at the Blaze at the time. So after the show, Elijah Schaefer comes up to me and he was like, oh my gosh, you're so funny. 
you should do my podcast, which was you are here. And it was brand new at the time. So it was, uh, I was going to be their fourth guest, their fourth episode. And um, they invite me to come do the show. And they're inviting me thinking I'm going to be this like, ha ha, funny comedian. And I get on the show. And this is the first time I publicly say, I don't believe in the math. I don't believe in the vaccine. <laughs> I'm like crying. Everybody in the comments are like, oh my God, she was a cry median. And I'm like, because I knew I, I lost 6,000 followers that day. I had friends who I've known for years tell me how horrible of a person I was. What? Um, yeah. And it was, it was really painful. I mean, even thinking back now, uh, I, it took, I was, I was scared, but I also felt like I need to talk about this and I need to let people know how I feel and that I don't believe any of this is right. So um, after the episode, Elijah's like, Hey, Alex Jones is going to be here tomorrow. Do you want to come back and hang out? And I was like, Oh my gosh, hell yeah. I drive back to the Motel 6. I tell my fiance at the time, I'm like, hey, Eric, guess what? Guess who's going to be at the Blaze tomorrow? And he was like, who? And I'm like, Alex freaking Jones, which (laughs) is so incredible because we had been watching like Alex Jones, um, Infowars and all of that stuff. That's really what pushed us to get out to Texas, you know, it really helped awaken us to all of this shit. So um, the next day we go, we meet Alex Jones. He's so nice. And we all end up going out to dinner together at the ranch in Las Colinas. I'm sitting next to Alex Jones. He buys me a steak dinner and I'm like, I'm living in a motel six, but I'm sitting next to Alex Jones. <laughs> I think everything is going to work out, you know? And um, the great thing was a year, like a, not even a year later. So that was in September. And then in July, July 4th is when we released American History of Voter Fraud. So the next time I saw Alex Jones was at Alex's War. And I got to come up to him and I was like, hey, do you remember me? I want to like know that me and my husband, we made this documentary film, American History of Voter Fraud, and we would not have been able to, you know, to do this without you being such an inspiration and speaker of truth. So it was a a really cool, like full circle moment. You know, a lot of really magical things happen. I say this, that God rewards bravery. We didn't know what the hell we were doing when we came out here, but I just knew I had to get to Texas. Living in the Motel 6 was uh, really fucking scary. There was a lot, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, we met an incredible real estate agent, Rondell, the realtor. Okay. He got us our redemption home. Um, there was 18 other offers that made into our house. He, we were like praying in a circle on my front lawn. He was like, this is our house, Lord. This is the house for this family. And oh, I love uh, that. it was just meant to be. So I, you know, and again, I got to give a shout out to Chrissy Mayer because she was so brave and so kind. And I would really, I'm just so grateful that, God put her in my life and had all these orchestrated events happen. Well, you know, I red pilled her, right? Has she ever told <laughs> you that? Like, I'm the reason she went down this path. Well, you know what? She... And thank God for you too, Sam Dribbley. <laughs> the start. Man. I did, I did her show Friday and she was just like, I, I you know, again, I, as I tell everybody, you're the reason I'm on this path. I'm like, that's cool. She came out. We started talking about the Battle of L.A. and the UFOs and all that stuff. So was the pandemic the thing that t- pushed you into the conspiracy realm? Or were you always somebody who had an open mind that maybe there's, there's alternative um, stories 
to what really happened? So I feel like I was always pretty open to things. And it's just so funny because my husband, Eric, I would be like telling him stuff and he'd be like, okay, I don't know. That sounds crazy. And then by the end of 2020, uh, going into 2021, he was like more deep into this stuff than me. He was the one that was like, we need to go to Texas, you know? So um, we kind of like red pilled each other in some ways, but that's great been awake to like a lot. I mean, I've always been into like the conspiracy stuff. It's so crazy to even call it conspiracy theories because it's like, <laughs> they're not really conspiracies anymore. <laughs> You're really great. So so you do your first movie and uh, tell us a little bit about the process of making your first movie. What was the movie making like for you and why that particular subject? So, um, I have to give a shout out to my husband. He really is the political. What's your husband's name? Eric Abenante. And we also got married in Dallas on 2-22-22 at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday. <laughs> about to celebrate. <laughs> uh, but, you know, okay, so I'll tell you this. When I first came out here, the only shows that I was doing was whenever, like, Chrissy Mayer was in town, she would have me feature for her. But I really went through, like, a, a deep, depression um 2021 because of like just losing all my friends in LA like everybody think thinking that I'm crazy being completely shadow banned on Twitter and Instagram like you know so I wasn't really like feeling like I wanted to like go on stage like that and it was really like my husband who did all this research and you know, started working on the movie. It was all filmed in our garage and he's just such a genius. And making the movie is what really got me back on stage. And it's so funny how things come full circle. Like I said, 10 years ago, I had a degree in broadcast journalism with a minor in political science. Now I'm a stand-up comedian who makes political documentaries on very censored subjects, right? So um, the process is... I mean, it's really big ups to my husband. He's he's a genius behind a lot of this. I he's love it, man. I really do love it. And uh, Johnny and XG, you better come up with a story that makes you cry because <laughs> you have two people on the show crying. Everybody better cry by the end of the show. <laughs> I, I have to... Eyes were watery. Eyes were watery both times. Okay, so Johnny, you better start like thumping your nuts or something. I, I'm always going. crying, so I, it's, you don't have to worry about it. It's fine. Okay. It's already happened. Okay. I, I um, I'll tell you this: we wanted to uh, have it come out July 4th because that was like you know a big deal for us to have that happen. And my husband was like, "We need to have a like movie premiere party at our house." We had a Fourth of July party and um, invited a few friends over. And my friends were like, Lila, you're not going to put this on YouTube, are you? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm putting it on YouTube. They're like, this is going to get taken down and your channel is going to be banned. And I was like, no, we're putting it on YouTube. So we put it on YouTube. And by the grace of God, it is still up. It is the only voter fraud film that is still up on YouTube right now. And um, we started getting like all these like great comments. People were loving it. And uh, Dinesh D'Souza, who made 2000 Mules, I got connected with him because there were, there were all these great comments and people were like, wow, this movie and 2000 Mules are incredible. Like, you know, saying all this stuff. So Dinesh, he shared a YouTube comment of mine 
thinking that it was for 2,000 mules, but it was really for American history of voter fraud. So on Twitter, I called him out on that. And he was so kind to, you know, to give me a shout out and then to invite me on his podcast where he interviewed me and, you know, promoted uh, American history of voter fraud. So it's just pretty wild to me that my own friends were like, Lila, you cannot put this up here. And like I said, God rewards bravery and it's still up. And I'm just so grateful that I feel like the tides are, are turning and people are starting to wake up and people are starting to talk about this more. And it's not so taboo to speak on this. And um, like I said, even though it was so painful, like I, I'm just so grateful to be here and, and I'm so happy to be on this podcast. Well, you're brave as fuck. Thankful to have you. Yeah, you're and, brave uh, as fuck. Yeah, uh, I mean, for sure, for sure. Because I mean, you know us. We over here, we're like, should we put that on YouTube? Do they yeah. like it? And you said, yeah, fuck that. yeah you're what you said, fuck it. I'm going to risk my channel, which is super badass on the real. You could have made a brand new channel and put it over there on the side <laughs> and played the safe side, but you're like, no, let's do it. Let's go. No, you definitely did, man. And kudos to you on that. Yeah. And it's just so so when when people tell you that there was no voter fraud, that this was the most secure election of all the right there should <laughs> let you know something's up when they're labeling it something before this will be the most secure election of all time. All right, you're lying. It's like when something's everywhere all the time, even like with this this Buffalo Bill player. And you know, like I said in the in the paragraph last, I thought he was no longer with us. Based on what they're telling us, he seems to be so good for him. I, I, and it's something like I wanted to ask you. Like, I would prefer to be wrong. I really wish I could be wrong about these things. I'm not doing it to be like, eh. I'm doing it because I'm sounding the alarm because I am concerned about this. So when people go, oh, there, this election wasn't rigged, what are your thoughts on that? Obviously, you did a movie, but what have you learned? Well, here's the thing. In in the movie, we show um, all these clips of news, of the news, even before they would talk about, they would talk about it. That, that like you said, the fact that they say it's 100% secure, that there's not even a little bit is a red flag right there. And plus, with all the mail-in ballots that came out, when I was um, in our townhouse, we got sent like 10 different mail-in ballots. I could have easily filled those out and sent them back in if I wanted to. And I'm sure, you know, as we know, that's what they did. So. So, it, so, so this Idaho murder just happened. And oh, yeah, that's, I, and that's crazy. Cause that's where I went to school. Really? And I used to hang out at the U of I all the time. Cause they're only seven miles apart from each other. That's insanity. But, but what they used for to help solve that murder and Johnny I think you had had you mentioned it if somebody mentioned it that they were using the 2000 mules technology from that company to follow this guy around they used it to watch everything he was doing cuz they had, they could just go through all these cameras and it's very interesting cuz nobody is talking about <laughs> that because they really don't want anyone to go well if they solve this murder or the guy's innocent until proven guilty but it doesn't look good um then maybe what they're saying about the election was uh true and it's kind of crazy, man. Hey, everybody. I want to tell you about our friends at Helix Sleep. That's right. Okay, listen. 
You spend most of your time in your mattress. Your mattress is important. You have to get quality sleep going on, okay? If you don't, it's just going to wreck your whole day. And that's where our good friends at Helix Sleep comes in, okay? Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattresses based on your unique sleeping preferences, okay? Helix Sleep includes 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress just for kids. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you? Take the Helix mattress sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. Just two minutes! Just two minutes and your personalized mattress will be shipped right to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on your own home. That's why they offer a 100 nights risk-free trial. That's so simple, man. 100 nights to use this bed, sleep on it, go to Pound Town, whatever you want to do. And if you decide you don't like it, you can ship it back full for a full refund, okay? So to decide which one you think is best, which kind of bed's best for you, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you'll find out. Do you like a soft bed? Do you like a medium? Do you like a firm one? Do you like to sleep on your back? Sleep on your side? Sleep on your stomach? Do you move around? All that will go into their magical mattress map, and they'll figure out what is the best mattress for you. It's just that simple, okay? So here's what I want you guys to do. It's real simple. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattresses, orders, and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash tinfoil with Helix Better Sleep Starts Now, okay? Take the quiz. Find out what kind of bed you need. Get the bed. Try it for 100 days. If you don't like it, bang. You can send it back for a full refund. Again, just go to helixsleep.com slash tinfoil. Helix better sleep starts now. So somebody brought this up. I forget who it is. And if you do listen to the show, tell me. It's like they brought up that this Mandela effect that's going on, which is like where everybody's like, oh, my God. Like a Britney Spears, she was, it was a plaid skirt. Now it's a black skirt. Like what's going on? There was somebody who's like, I think this is being done on purpose so that we start to not trust our eyes. That mm -hmm. we, what our eyes tell us and what we think could be two totally different things. So as we're watching this, whether it's uh, Donald Trump versus Hillary or Joe Biden versus Hillary, if you study it, your eyes tell you one dude is filling stadiums, the other person can't even get 20 people in a room. What's the perception? Well, here's the thing. Um, 75% of the votes were mail-in or absentee or early ballots. We never had above 25% before 2020. So it makes you think that COVID and the lockdown and all of this, for me, I believe that this was all transpired so they would be able to have all those mail-in ballots. And, you know, the election officials are the ones that are counting. And that, that's really who we need to be looking into. And it, here's the thing. It should be um, voting day should be a national holiday. And we should why can't we have cameras that are watching 24-7 that we could all watch and have it be live streams? They yeah. do that with everything else. 
I mean, I think we should take it more serious. I mean, I was asking my dad, I was asking about the election out there. I guess they, they have this thing called the dry law, which they don't sell no alcohol during elections. <laughs> I'm down with as people, much. Hey, people, that's not a bad idea. Trust yeah. me, people stock up. People stock up. But I don't know if I want it, the government telling me I can't drink for no, a no, day. Though, I mean, no, no, I, I don't either. I'm just saying it shows how it shows how important it is to other countries. As in, don't be drunk no, when I'm you're with voting. You on that. Like I just after the results come in, you're gonna wish you could drink. I can tell yeah, you that. That's for <laughs> sure. That's for sure. Uh, it's it's super interesting. So you have this new movie out, World Death Organization. Uh, before we get into that, what is your process for making a movie? Well, like I said, it's it's really my husband. I do all the voiceovers. Oh, really? That's great. So what do you guys do in terms of, like, what does he do? Research? Is he looking yeah, for he, clips? He does all the How long does it take you guys to from conception to finished product? Uh, about six months. I mean, here's, like... I will say this, when, when we were in the Motel 6 is when he already started doing a lot of the research for it. And it wasn't really like, oh, we're going to make a movie about this. It just kind of turned into that. And like I said, it was a way for me to be able to get myself back out there. And I want to do stand up. And I, I but at, how can we do stand up if we don't have freedom of speech? You know? Yeah. And so you got this new movie, World Death Organization. Tell us a little bit about it. So a World Death Organization is a play on like, you know, World Health Organization. But um, it's the history of eugenics. I voice Margaret Sanger, uh, you know, the amazing planned parenthood <laughs> who wants uh, everybody dead. And uh, we just talk about the history of vaccines. I mean, at this point, I don't trust any vaccines. I don't trust anything that... Um, doctors want to have injected into people because a lot of them are contaminated with animal DNA. So, so when you really get into this, like people don't understand like all of these globalist organizations all have like a depopulation agenda mm -hmm. to them. I mean, like, what is it going to take for people to wake up to Bill Gates? Like, what is it going to take when he wants to vaccinate the bees? That's the new story. Like, does anyone buy that that's a real thing to vaccinate the bees? But the fact that that is even on the table and presented as a possible real story. Like, Rogan getting crap today on uh, some um, some uh, tweet he put out, right? Like. Like, because the parody and the reality are so close today. It's unbelievable. So Club of Rome, New World Order, European Union, CDC, WHO, they're all controlled by the same exact people. Well, and all, well, here's the thing. Um, birth control is a, a form of eugenics because really Margaret Sanger, the reason she started Planned Parenthood was her plan was to exterminate the black race. OK, and that's why we have birth control. And then like a lot of these vaccines cause cancer and it's a money making organization. That's what the World Health Organization is. It's 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 a way to get they, it's not to keep people healthy. It's to keep people sick. And 
every person is just like a price tag on them. And it like, that's the scary thing about these vaccines. It's like, okay, we have myocarditis, all that's happening, but all the cancer, and there's definitely a cure for cancer that's out there, but they don't, how does curing cancer help them make more money? Yeah, I always love when they're like, if we cured cancer, the economy would crash. I'm like, well, that's a <laughs> shitty economy then. Yeah. If it's built on on keeping people sick, which it is. And even Canada, who's going through awful stuff right now. I mean, I'm constantly getting hit up by Canadians going, help me get out of there like some underground railroad. Like they want me to be Harriet Tubman or something. <laughs> you know, and, like get... And another thing, too, is like eugenics, that means bad genes. And who's to say who has bad genes, right? According to eugenics, I shouldn't be here. I wouldn't be considered uh, worthy of life. And I meet a lot of people who, you know, are pregnant and have a child with spina bifida and doctors have told them, um, you know, you should terminate the pregnancy. And, you know, I would talk about my parents had no idea that I was going to be born disabled. And had they had known that, you know, what if a doctor told them that I wasn't worthy of life? So I can't be somebody that's like pro-abortion and pro-eugenics because I'm the person that would be considered unworthy of living. And um, that's why this depopulation and all this is so sad is that everybody, all these people are trying to play God and life is beautiful and life is worth living. And, you know, it's truly a gift. And uh, who are they to say who isn't worthy of having it? I think it's very, I think, um, I think you're totally right. I really do think you're totally right. I have a stance. I, I don't want the government telling what people what to do with their body. But I also think like this movement to uh, and that includes vaccines. I just want every I like I can't flip on shit. But I do believe that there is a, a giant war on women. Uh, you are the birth canal to reality. You, uh, you know, we all have to come through a woman to get here. And. And to that they realize point of entry is the best place to cause chaos. So they're going after women. And, you know, I don't know if you watch this new vice uh, show that they did with the, the panel feminists and they had a big discussion. And I don't know if that was something that you had, uh, you had heard about. Uh, and I wonder if they had contacted you at all to be on there, but th- th- it was very interesting to hear what women are defending mm-hmm. as women's rights. In, like birth control, all that stuff. And we know that birth control does does affect a woman's psyche and immenses with their chemical, their pH balance, right? And we wonder why 50% of women in America are on pharmaceutical drugs to deal with reality. And I think that's a real war. I mean, the, all culture to me is manufactured and it's manufactured to get people to make the worst decisions possible. And when you take a look at like what, like I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine who's like going through the spiritual thing right now. And we were talking about, you know, fourth wave feminism versus the divine feminism and the the divine feminine and how they couldn't be more 180 from each other. They couldn't be more opposite, but yet that is what is being taught to women as they're coming up. They're, They're weaponizing men versus women and they're making women want to, I mean, when, when you look at, uh, 
Instagram or TikTok. I'm not really on TikTok, but Instagram or TikTok. And you see what is being presented by women. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not in their best interest. Any thoughts on any of that? Absolutely. I, I will say this. Um, I would not be where I'm at today in my stand-up or my career at all without my husband. And so I am just so grateful to be in a loving marriage with a man who fully supports my dreams and my goals and where I can actually rest in my feminine. And I think we are at a point in a society where women are bashing, hating men. I say this like women we're born with our worth and our value, right? Like if, if you, I saw Brian Simpson say this on the Joe Rogan podcast. He was like, you never seen a homeless bad bitch. Like that's just not, <laughs> you know, that doesn't exist. A homeless bad bitch does not exist. And so um, I, it is so sad to me that we as women are hating on men, bashing down on men. Like I said, I would not be where I'm at today without like the leadership of my husband. And I have no problem saying that because he is a great man. And I'm again, so grateful to be with him. Shout out to Eric Abenante. Yeah. Shout out to him. We'll make sure to include his social media in the description below. So you can be able to find him and support him as well. And he's uh, back on Twitter. Finally for, uh, for months, um, he was banned off of Twitter for three months. And I, I had this long thing where I was calling my husband and uh, he was banned for sharing um, the link to our channel on InfoWars. We have a channel on InfoWars called Immune to the System. And he shared that link and then he was banned for three months. So for like three months every day, I was like, my Jewish husband, my Jewish husband is banned <laughs> off of Twitter. <laughs> so thank God he's back. But I, um, I just, I think that you know, these conversations are so important to have. And I have to thank you, Sam Tripoli, for everything that you guys do on your podcast. Having these conversations, talk a bit, talking about this is, is important because if we don't have our freedom of speech and if we aren't being brave and talking about this, we are in it for a world of hurt and there will be no comedy. What are your thoughts on this year? What do you, what do you see happening this year? You mentioned you have hope that people are waking up. What what do you think is going to happen? Do you think people are waking up? Do you think do you have people hitting you up that maybe before didn't want didn't enjoy what you were saying and now they're totally like oh I think you're on to something. I had my friend's girlfriend go Sam I think you're right the other day like I used <laughs> to think you were crazy but I think you're right about everything. I go yeah I mean I get a couple tiny things wrong here and there but I do get the bigger the macro I tend to get right you know so. Well, anybody reaching out to you and telling you, oh, man, you were right. I was wrong. Um, Not necessarily that, but I will say it is it has been nice, especially on Twitter, just to see people talking about vaccines like hashtag died suddenly is trending to see these things that were trending that like a year ago you would have literally been banned for speaking about. So that has been nice. Um, And again, I just feel like there is a new kind of aura in the air 2023. I think this is the time where people are going to wake up to a lot of these things. And, um, you know, we're going to make more films about this. Uh, our next film is going to be about Fauci. So be on the lookout. What's your for thoughts that. on him? Oh, he's evil, <laughs> evil, evil man. Um, and oh, I have to say this, we released, uh, our uh, World Death Organization on December 24th, which was Fauci's birthday. So we did that. 
So hey, did did you you did the research? Did that shit come from Wuhan, or where where do you stand on that? Yeah, where do you stand on viruses? Um, I think that uh, it was man-made and uh, definitely created in a lab. Uh, I do it. You guys will just have to see it in the film. <laughs> All right. I there respect that. All right. I respect that. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Lila. You were uh, excellent. This was a wonderful conversation. We appreciate you, and uh, we look forward to uh, having you back on to talk about your new movie and. Uh, if you have any dates or anything you want to push, do you any, have any shows coming up? Do you got a website? Do you got anywhere for people to come and support you? Yes, absolutely. I will be in San Diego at the Mic Drop Comedy Club February 24th and 25th featuring for Chrissy Mayer. So San Diego, come out, check that out. You guys can watch my films at lilahart.com slash documentary. Also, um, you can donate to the free films at lilahart.com slash donate. And then all my stuff is just on lilahart.com. All right. So I'll go look at that. Make sure those links are in there. And uh, if I'm ever in the area, I'm doing shows. I'd love to gig with you and uh, yes, absolutely. jump on my show anytime you want. Or I'll jump on your show and support you in any way. And just, I'm very thankful. I'm sorry it took this long to make it happen. We've been talking forever and just life gets crazy. And, but I'm like, I couldn't be happier for you and all your success and, you know, everything that you've been through. Like, you, you know, there's in the Hermetic principles, there's the law of duality, which is light and dark. We have darkness. And some of our darkness is a little, you know, more obvious than others, but you've taken all these things in your life that most people would use as an excuse to give up and you've taken it and, and, and use it to inspire you to do wonderful things and leave a real mark and help others. And, uh, you know, you're practicing abundance and, uh, you know, you are the law of attraction. You're you're the mob of abundance. And I just think it's great. And uh, anytime we could do anything to help you, don't hesitate to ask. And we're big fans of what you're doing. And like I've been watching you from afar and I'm just I, I'm, my heart fills with happiness when I see all the love that you're getting, when you see with our boy Alex Stein, we found Alex Stein when he was just some crazy guy who was doing his show in his underwear and <laughs> was doing such big things. And we knew he was going to do big things. And uh, to see him actually achieve it, then when I saw you at his show and you guys were hugging, it was really great to see. And I'm I'm yeah. super happy for you. So thank yeah. you for coming on the show. And uh, we look forward to having another conversation oh, with you. Thank you guys so much. This really, really means a lot to me. I was so looking forward to being on the show today. So thank you. I really appreciate yeah. it. All and right. just and just so you know, there was a lot of talk of, talk about you in the smoking area over there at the comedy store when you got banned. We Every comic thought it wasn't cool, but it was what it was. Okay. We so, yeah, just so you know, your name was brought up a lot. I remember, like, yo, that's not cool. Do you hear that? And she's an exception. Uh -huh. And just so you know, you literally, like, we remember talking about it when it happened. Oh, so Thank you, guys. No, yeah. I appreciate it. And like I said, I 2023, it's going to be a good year. I think uh, we made it through the fire. And now we're, I feel like, I feel like a phoenix that's rising from the ashes. Okay? So... I love it, Lila. I love it. You're great. You look beautiful. You're crushing it and you're doing great things. And I, I, I and we're big fans. We'll support you whenever we can. So thank you for coming on the show, Lila. Thank you so thank much. You guys. All right, Lila Hart. Thank you so much for coming on. That was great. Guys, good episode. Why didn't you guys cry?
<laughs> it's it, I, my eyes got watering a little bit, especially oh, when yeah. I'm not gonna lie. When she said that thing where they wouldn't let her in the front in the front house, that really was like that's fucked up. Yeah, that is especially, up. especially when they claim to be good people. Like if in a sorority, like you're supposed to help the community and shit. Sorority, what what are you talking about? When, <laughs> sororities, the, all the sororities were the the most garbage girls when I was in college. Yeah, Just the, no, well they I mean, are the but, worst people. They were all they, like really exclusive and and you know just assholes. Yeah, but aren't they supposed to play the nice part where they, they're supposed they to? But it's all bullshit, man. Yeah, yeah it's all bullshit. Well, you could, yeah. There's a reason they let her in. How sad. What do you guys think of? Um, I want to get into some current events with you guys, if you don't mind. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on the whole Speaker of the House? <laughs> Dude, that was so. I enjoy watching that shit so much. <laughs> Just anytime things aren't in government aren't going the way they're supposed to, it makes me laugh, and I loved it. I thought it was wonderful. Was that the libertarian in you was like pushing back? <laughs> Well, yeah, you see, it's funny though because I don't love Gates. I don't think he's a good guy. Do you? Do you? What do you Matt think of him? No, yeah. I, you know my opinion, yeah. dude. Anybody with that haircut is shady. Shit. He's a scumbag. Yeah, he's a scumbag. He was doing. I mean, it for people attention. don't realize that. Like, there's a lot of rumors about him in high, him in college. His roommate died. Yeah. Their relationship, stuff like that. The fact that he grew up in the Truman House, you know, the Truman Show House, like yeah. that's crazy. There's yeah. just a lot of things that don't make sense about him but to a- watch that fuck twist in the wind for a couple of days i was okay with that do you think that you know that there was any winning going on do, do you guys like chuck roy by the way i don't know why i do even though i don't trust anybody as far as i can kick him Who's that one? I don't have no idea who that one he's is he's the bald guy with the goatee and he talks mad oh, shit okay, yeah, to everybody yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him, but I learned like you can't. I don't trust anybody out there at all. So what would be the what would be the best salute? The best. What what did you expect to happen, or what did you? Well, well, McCarthy was always getting it. I mean, there was you know Gates like tried to get some shit stirred up on Twitter about how he was you know Trump he was going to vote for Trump and Trump was on the phone with everybody, but then Trump ended up just telling everybody to vote for McCarthy. And McCarthy is like pro Ukraine, right? Oh, dude, he's the he, he. They were showing how how often he voted with Democrats. Did you see that thing that went around? It was some viral thing, and it was like Nancy Pelosi voted with Republicans something like two percent of the time, and then he voted with the Democrats something like sixty percent of the time. It's just unbelievable. No matter what you do, and I thought, man, this is another. This remind me one hundred percent of when Obama was got in and these blue dogs showed up and they weren't going to take any crap anymore, you know, and they were going to put their foot down and not just, not just give Obama everything he wanted, which causes friction. So here we go. Senate. We have the Republicans have a small majority, uh, which is a weird statement, right? A small majority, but uh, like they barely have a majority, right? Yeah, in fact, I mean, the first the first vote and maybe the first couple of votes, the Democrat actually got more votes for Speaker of the House than than the Republican, than McCarthy. Which would have been so perfect globalist move, right? Just to be like, oh, you won, but you did you really win? It's funny, isn't it? Right. I mean, that whole thing is a charade to me, though. The whole the whole thing's a charade. I mean, they're especially one. Now, you know, it's easy to say, okay, the parties are, you know, two wings of the same bird. But the leadership of the parties are, I mean, those are the head. 
those are the bird. You know what I mean? That's the middle of the bird. That's the meat. That's the breast. That's they're the same people. The the leader, the they party are the leadership. Same people. Yeah. They all hang out with each other. And they, I, I don't know. Everyone's like, it's just chaos. You got to get this going. You're like, it's just so WrestleMania. Yep. Yeah, all that shit with that Frank, you know, somebody tweeted out like, oh, this is some real, what in the name of Frank Underwood is going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they, the guy had to talk with Gates. Just like had, yeah, had like his hand on his shoulder, like like shaking him. It was, it was so weird. And then my representative, uh, Richard Hudson from back in North Carolina, he was the one that put that guy in the headlock, you know, it was like, like pulling his face back. Yeah, keep what, him from is, attacking what happened Gates. there that that, that picture's out? What do you mean? I mean that uh, anything on the floor it's all that's all videoed. Yeah, but what what was going on right there? Did they ever say why he grabbed his face? Well, he was trying to restrain him from going after Gates. And oh, I think really? Yeah, 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 that's what oh. it was, yeah. So he fish Stop hooked him? Yeah, he did <laughs> fish hook him. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He totally did. Yeah. It's all fucking. Theater. I used to I used to spend a lot of time with that guy when I worked in the newspaper there, uh, just going around the district. And he, you know, he's a he's an he's not a typical politician. The guy that was doing the restraining, but you can tell like after how they change after they get elected, you know, slowly and don't don't they don't say as much honest that's honest, you know, and they're less forthcoming. They're more careful as the years pass. And I'm sure by now, you know, that he's been there you know, 10 years or whatever. He's just a totally political animal now that you'll you never see, get a Gates statement Gates is out. like, I'm not taking any donations from anything ever. Like, how long do you think that will last? Uh, not long. I mean, well, you know, he probably doesn't. That tells me he probably does. He's probably getting them under the table somehow. You know, somebody else is funding it. But but he's, that guy's just all about the, the, the stunt, you know, the political stunt. So let's get into something about uh, uh, Xavier Guerrero's area. You mean, you El Chapo's Xavier? You mean Xavier? Xavier Guerrero? Xavier? Talk to Xavier. Oh, dude, it's fucking Tulacan is wild right now. They, I, I, they're not going to really. He, he's already they're It's already passed. So they were trying to get him not to get sent out of this out of hometown. But he's already in the uh, El Centro Mexico, the Defe, the center of Mexico, and he's already fucked. He's going to get extradited to the United States. And it's that, crazy, but but they don't understand that that's just going to make it worse. You know the other the other cartel, the Nueva Generación, the ones that are kind of dangerous. All they're going to do is like now there's a vacuum and they're going to go handle that, and it's just going to be. I think it's going to be horrible. I don't I don't know what I don't do. It's just crazy how how just like how dangerous it is, and so much of it is America arming the cartels. Yeah, and but if they get if the thing is, if the military gets involved and the cartel could infiltrate the military, now that's a fucking problem because they infiltrate they everything. Done that? They not that they know of. That's the problem is that they're dude, money buys everything. If you can buy a military, um, someone in the military, it's a whole different game changer now. Oh my god, man! It's, oh my god, have you seen them that they were shooting at, at, a, at a regular, regular person plane? Assuming that that chopper was on it, so they were trying to th like the thing is you don't want to get extradited because once you're extradited, you're fucked. You're never leaving a chopper. Wait, why would they shoot at a plane that he's like they would rather him be dead than yeah? Because once you get extradited, you're fucked. So you're hold fucked, on, fucked. the cartels are trying to shoot down a plane with yeah. him on. They thought he was on it and they, they wanted he, to yeah. kill him. Well, now, did they want to kill him because they thought he would talk or that he would rather be dead than extradited? He, he would rather be dead. 
Okay. Interesting. Yeah, there is that crazy video of people on a flight and some shit's going down. Yeah, they're getting shot by like they're just because they were trying to get them not to get extradited. Can you imagine that? I mean, flying is already a little stressful, and then you're taking—I mean, taking fire <laughs> on, a, on a commercial, a commercial jet. Like, what? What are we doing here? Yeah, no, it's no, now. It's, there's a vacuum. I mean, now someone's gonna have to take over that spot, and that's why it's—it's it's gonna be a shit show the next couple of years, and that's not gonna be good because that's gonna affect the border. And that's the whole reason, like, I wouldn't doubt if the cartels are trying to take out these politicians who want to build up the border. But, you know, it's like people said, it's like, how much of it comes through drug mules and yeah. that are over going over the border? How many go through the regulated checkpoints? I don't think they care about the border, honestly, because, I mean, think about it, Cuba, like, you know, they, they're talking about building this wall. And they forget that the Pacific Ocean's right there. How think about how many Cubans are in Miami? We don't share a border with Cuba. You know what I mean? It's gonna they're gonna get here. It, it, they're just gonna take yeah. boats now. I mean, shit. They're just gonna be landing on the shore of San Diego. You're just gonna see these boats coming up, and they're gonna have to turn them away from there. It's gonna happen. Well, you know how fucked it you know how fucked it is for Cubans. They're not citizens till they step foot on land. So they can literally yeah. Get sent, oh, yeah, yeah. they can get sent back to Cuba on in the water and you risk your life, you sharks, and you're like, Nope, you didn't touch land in the United States, we'll send you back to fucking Fidel Castro. Go hang out over there. Gotta dodge. Gotta dodge yeah. the gotta dodge the guy, practice, train. It's nuts, dude. Gotta so, up your elusiveness. Uh, I wanna bring up something that I'd love to hear you got your opinion on. Uh Dr. Shiva went on yet. Yeah, heard of him. I've show. heard of him. Yeah, yeah I heard him in an email, actually. <laughs> that's not, yeah, what, that, that's not what Google shit. says. That's not what Google says. I looked it up, and there's two guys that are fighting about who created it. If you look it up, there's these two guys that say it's either one or the other. Well, that's, uh, well I don't even care. I mean, he could he can be the guy who invented it. Noam Chomsky not- says he did it. So I, who? Who, who? Noam Chomsky says he invented email. So who are you gonna believe? Uh, who are you gonna believe? I, I I just use it. I don't I don't really care. But and you know if he did, he did. I don't really care. And it it's just like I do I, think that's an inspirational story. I mean, I dude, the thing is, we agree with pretty much everything that guy says, and and he's coming for look, us now. Look what that says. Who created? You know, I like him honestly. Name. I mean, I like that he's angry. He's an angry guy, and I like that. I like angry people. I'm angry, and and you know he's just kind of. I, you know, I, he's kind of turned his doesn't ire doesn't make on any sense now. what he does. First of all, he tries to act like he barely knows who I am. That's yeah, my favorite fun. part. He's been coming on this show for, what, three years now? And he's always asked me to come on. He texts me when he wanted to. He would text me when he wanted to come on. It wasn't me just hoping and praying that he would answer an email. Like, Sam, I got to come on. I have to talk to you about the lace. Okay, Shiva, I'll come on. You can come on. It's, it's like stop acting like you don't know who I am. And yeah, like, and well, he called you what, like a two-bit comic or a, a wannabe comic, a guy who yeah, thinks he's I mean, a like I don't know what you guys are talking about. Why I put my specials that? up against anybody's. It just I'm not a hot. It's so interesting how when you don't want they everybody hates Hollywood, but when you don't want to work with Hollywood, that means you didn't make it. Yeah, right? yeah of course, yeah, yeah, like yeah, like. Everybody's a phony, but when you stick up for your friends, you're a uh, a bitch. It's just like it's like unbelievable how like it just proves that none of it really matters, and they they just want war. 
It's kind of like when the woke women of Hollywood and the, and the incels, trolls of the internet come together to hate one person. It's like, oh, you don't really have any principles. You're just angry at the world because you guys should not be agreeing on everything. But you do. You Your hatred of successful people is why you're, you're so angry at the fucking world. And the hypocrisy of where you choose to put blame and where who you allow to go without any blame and any criticism says a million things about you. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, we didn't. His name's not on that episode, not because we want to suppress his message or we're, af we're afraid of him, like he was no, saying. No, I'll tell you why it's not on there. Because the guy cried about credit the whole time, and we gave him none. That's how you do it. That's called yeah. fucking comedy. Okay. Like you're crying about not getting your credit. Guess what? You got no credit and you got no plugs. We took out all your anytime you mentioned your fucking website because that's called funny and it's <laughs> hilarious. It is. Yeah. He came, but he came, he came with that agenda. He came with, I'm going to somehow try to get on Rogan's and this is the way I'm going to do it because I've been so nice. I think he's trying to get on nicely. And I think no, at dude. this point, he's like, I'm going to do whatever it does if I got to call him a bitch. Yeah, and, and dude, he acts like it's not Rogan is not the modern Johnny Carson. That's like him bitching. Why won't Carson have me on? You know, like in in the early nineties, in the late eighties, like why can't I get on Carson to talk about this? How, do, yeah, do you realize how many like, people want to get on Rogan? How many emails he gets? Come on, dude. Everybody wants to get on Rogan. Literally everybody, everybody. and that's why people go nuts because they can't get on Rogan. But you know how you don't get on Rogan fucking shit talking him yeah so and it's like fine like dude again i don't have to defend rogan rogan can defend himself but it's like here we are once again somebody who's just begging to be on the show all the time and we allow them to do it because we find them interesting and they just turn around and disrespect us and it's just like dude i'm not above criticism i'm not you want to criticize my positions go ahead I'm fine with that. Yeah, he okay? was just being an asshole. You're just being an asshole and a baby. You're just mad because you can't get your way. I can't control who gets on Rogan. I'm also not going to defend Rogan, but I'm just not going to have you on my show shit-talking my friend who I owe a ton to. I'm not on Rogan's show enough for that to be the reason I, you guys think I don't want to upset him. I defend my friends. Because I'm a fucking ride or die, okay? And I don't forget who helped me when I had nothing to offer them in exchange. So I don't forget that stuff. That, wait, that wait, so does that mean you're a bitch, Sam? Because that's what he said. That's what <laughs> Shiva said, is that you're Rogan's bitch. Now, you're his slave. And then some guy listens to the show and has Shiva on. It's like, what do you like? That's great, man. I'm glad listeners well, weren't they weren't they recording that in like some garage or something somewhere for like an audience of three. None of that matters. I'm glad. I'm glad you're doing a show. But yeah. like, if you got anything other than just like the dude is butt hurt because he can't get on the show, and he just is blunt force trauma. Maybe that's why he is who he is and where he is. But it's like. You're you're just disrespecting people that showed you kindness from the start. And I remember Shiva's video about 
the Paris Accord, and I was fucking mind blowing and it opened my yes. eyes to the Club of Rome. So I had him on, and then I had him on again. Then I had him on again with uh, uh, Eddie Bravo. Then he had Eddie Bravo had him on, and it's just like, and then Eddie tried to get him on Joe Rogan, and it just didn't happen. It's out of our hands. Shiva's like, we like, yeah, I mean, Shiva, everything he says, I agree with. He's great. Except for when he's, you know, says that we're assholes or whatever. I don't and, agree with that. And shout out to the swarm because there are a lot of people DM Tinfold saying he was a piece of shit. I can't believe he came in and disrespected you guys. So shout out to you guys that literally some people are like, I can't. Well, even I, I mean, that would be even better if he actually came in and said it to our face. He didn't come in and disrespect us. He went to somebody else's place and yeah. shit on us behind our backs. By the way, I'm going to read you something real quick. Shiva had such a uh, shitty experience with us, right? Here we go. Oh, fuck, I erased it. Oh, damn. But he was basically like, hey, man, that was great. Thank you so much. Let my people know I'd like to share it on my fucking stuff, too. I'm like, yeah, man, great. (laughs) Great. I don't know what to tell you. That was a drag, though. I don't, I mean, that's not enjoyable for you, right? Doesn't that give you a little, like, a little... Well, it's just well, it's just anxiety um, or something. This is now part of being a content creator is that clout chasing, and it's it's what happens. You see, happen all the time. People who paint themselves into a corner have to figure out a way to get their name out there all the time. So they just start this clout chasing shit to to get because what people realize, and it's very smart. Is that anybody who's popular and this show is big to some people, but in the scheme of podcast, it isn't like, you know, your mom's house or anything like that. And that's okay because we're very thankful for the swarm and I will always defend the swarm. I will always be, I don't need to defend the swarm. I will always be thankful for the swarm. And, uh, you know, so, but when somebody, let's say a Rogan, right, is, is so big he has so many fans but he also has haters and there's people who know that those haters are available as eyeballs so and you see it happen all the time again going back to these like incels of the internet and all these woke women that love them if you really woke women were really about your principles you would hate these guys but you don't because they're going after the people that you're bitter about and it's yeah. like, and it's just like, that's great. So Shiva knows that there's a bunch of people out there that love me, but there's some people that hate me and he can cater to those people. Like, and they'll all run to him and be like, how can I help you, Shiva? They're trying to censor you. No, I'm not trying to censor anybody. I get people like Shiva on. I get people like, you know, I've had people on that have like a hundred people on Twitter follow them. But if it's an interesting story, I'll put you on. It's just super interesting how you try to help people and they just shit talk. But at the end of the day, who gives a fuck? I, I really don't care. Just like, guess that opens up more episodes for other people to be on because now we never have to fucking book Shiva again. That's mm-hmm. more episodes for other people. Yay! Okay. Yep. That's exactly how we feel about Bishop Larry Gators as well. Like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same shit. You don't fucking care. They're well, that guy, that guy like, I have even more of a problem with. About? Because that guy, I think, was just a charlatan the whole time. Now that now that he's calling us like Satanists or whatever, you know, like but still? at least at least she. No, I mean now that you know, after he did. I mean, the guy that I, goes I, to the Grammys and the Golden Globes and the Oscars. Yeah, 
calling everybody Satanists. So funny. Like, but Shiva, just, at least I believe, is principled. I think he's a principled man. I believe that. I am going to say that I am now going to be very wary of when people beg to be on the show all the time. That they're, they're somewhat a little dangerous. And that the possibilities of them, because we've been burnt twice now. And I'm kind of over it. And they were they would they would be the ones asking us. I do remember you would always tell me they always like Bishop Larry hit me up. He said he wants to come on. You want to do a quick a quick one today? And I remember something. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, he would be very insistent. Tr- I remember. Yeah, Samuel, I have some stories that the the people need to know. And you, this is the greatest podcast on planet Earth. And I need to let you know about the boule. We are talking to three billion people every day on iHeartRadio. <laughs> That, but we need to come on to your show where we're going to talk to about 3% of that audience. All right, real quick, guys. Go to samtriplee.com. Check out the website. We have a lot of great stuff going on, on that website. It's all things Sam Tripoli. Uh, it's all things Tinfoil Hat. You can get my dates. We, well, we already went through that in the opening. All the premium content is there. So you got Tinfoil Hat. You got Conspiracy Social Club. Just so everybody knows. I will be making zero for free. I will be making that available so you won't have to pay for it. If you want to do like $5 donations a month just to support the show, because I think it's so important. So that will be given for free. Uh, But just go to Rockfin, any of those shows. We also have First Looks at Broken Sim. We also have uh, We Don't Smoke the Same on there. I have a Patreon. Again, Patreon is where you can go and you can get – financial advice uh, that Howie Dewey's been doing really well. Johnny listens to him all the time. How's he doing, Johnny? Oh, dude, we just had a big winner today, actually, with some Uber calls and a couple other calls that were up huge today that we sold. And uh, bang, bang, profit. So just go to patreon.com slash cash daddies and you'll, for 20 bucks a month, sounds like a lot until you bank some fatties. And then you're like, that's just a basic tip at this point. So check it out. You can also do subscriptions for the whole year. And yes, for $1,000 a month, Johnny and I will watch you guys make love. With that's the, the best deal. Code. That's the best deal there is. That's the best deal you, there is. I don't know. It's yeah. been a it's been a year, and you guys haven't got it. I think you guys need to lower it's the price. It's been a down. year? Better what are you deal. talking about? It's been It's been like six months. Six okay, months. Well, Stop shitting our birthday cake, Xavier. When are we going to lower the price down? At what? At a year? Come on, Xavier. We might add a promo code for that you there get 99% off. <laughs> there are scholarships for uh, certain uh, there people are with, certain, with certain traits, guys. certain skills, uh, let's say. So I am, uh, again, I want to get into some stuff real quick. We have some great, go back to the website. Okay. We have some great affiliate programs. Uh, first of all, the Tim Fallout t shirts, fire. If you want to make, I, I, we're looking for t-shirts all the time. Tim Fall had t-shirts all the time. All My Heroes are Shadow Band. We got to get some new ones up there. The Lizard People are coming. Local celebrity, all that's oh, there, God. okay? Uh, then you also can go to, uh, here's what we're v- very excited with. Uh, my cameos, I'm going to start doing that again this year. I'm going to get back on cameos. But we have some uh, affiliates, and we're always adding more. I'm going to add Tim James uh, and all of his vitamins to this. But Brown, buy gold and silver uh, at, at our good friends at Wise Wolf, at Tony uh, Arterburn, 
Uh, he is doing some wonderful stuff over there. You get a nice discount. They have a uh, monthly where you sign up and get monthly uh, amount of gold or silver, or you can do a big chunk right there, and you get a discount if you buy from us. I think he did a discount, or you get taken care of. He'll, he'll mail it out to you. Sorry about that. Uh, if you're looking for discount stuff, yeah, man. The Occucure Hydrogen Brown Gas. Bam, use the promo code. Get a discount. Tin foil hat, three words. And then I'm very excited because I got to get them on the show. They're all huge fans of ours. Uh, yes. Haley Ray Crystal Shop. All your crystals, candles, you name it, quartz, whatever you want, it's there. Look at those things. Bam, so nice. We're probably just use the promo code Tim Fall Hat and you get a discount on there. It says it right there. What's the discount? Oh, yeah. You swarm 15. Swarm 15 to get 15% off all of your crystal needs. So hit me up. Uh, and that's about it. We got the, the uh, only conspiracies, Telegram, Zero. If you go on Nuked, you can join both of those and be on our Mastodon social media and all of my free shows. I don't know how long I'll be doing all these shows, but Broken Sim, Cash Daddies, Punch Drunk, Union of the Unwanted, Conspiracy Social Club, Zero, and of course, Tim Full Hat. Just go to samtribbly.com, click on the banner, make it happen. Anything else, guys? Would you like to add anything of your own? That's it. Uh, nope. We'll see you guys at fucking Bakersfield. See you. Oh, yeah. Bakers Long Beach, then Bakersfield. Come get well. I mean, I'm in Illinois this week. Then next week, I'm again in Phoenix, then Bakersfield, and, and Long Beach. Go to samtribbly.com. Love you guys. Thank you for the support. And we will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye. We go deep, homeboy. Open your mind. Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. That's some interdimensional shit. Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. There's you just blew my mind. Tim foil hat, tin foil hat, tin foil hat.